Hello, Father Sean here, and you have arrived at Father Sean's podcast on this season. I don't know if there's a season, but uh, around Corpus Christi Sunday. So I just want to reflect a little bit on Corpus Christi Sunday, not really what I usually do for my podcast here. I'm kind of taking a little break from the commentary on Genesis. Uh, Maybe you need a break. Maybe I need a break. I don't know who's the one who's needing the break, but... uh, by, this is actually just my homily from this weekend, but uh, but I thought it was very good. I thought it was very profound. I didn't think it was good for a particular reason, but I but I feel like my experience is worth kind of sharing with people. I guess that's what I want to say. Uh, I know the people uh, in the pews, they thought it was helpful to hear my experience, so they said, so I just want to share a little bit about that. Uh, I want to share this story with you um, because I believe <clears throat> this is kind of the core of what I'm getting at here, that there has been a a lie that has been circulating in the Catholic Church that has caused damage uh, for the people in the pew on Sundays as they receive Holy Communion. And this lie has resulted in people receiving communion in a very poor way, myself included. I'm not accusing anyone. I'm just observing my experience first and foremost. But there's also a truth that can be very healing. And not just healing, but it can really bring zeal quite immediately. There were a number of people who said, Father, wow, that was very 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 meaningful for me to hear this and it made the mass just very this very mass that day when they told me this it made the mass so much more alive so much more real so my story uh, begins when i was a kid you know i knew that mass was important because when we we never miss sunday mass we never miss sunday mass and even when we we're on vacation whether that we were at my mom's parents or my dad's parents whichever set of grandparents my parents would really try to go to mass during the week with my grandparents and so i you know for that eight o'clock mass i'd get a knock on the door knock 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 hey sean you gonna come to mass with us it's like 7 30 in the morning and as a high school student i said no thank you i will go back to sleep and generally that's what i did but that all changed when i went to college because no longer was mass at 8 a.m Mass was at 5 p.m., which was pretty dang good for a college student, at least according to our schedule. And so I started going to Mass on a daily basis. I slept in on Saturdays. What can I say? But uh, they didn't have the evening Mass on Saturdays. So this is what what I did. I went to Mass pretty much every day of the week. Praise the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, I did not have a fruitful experience. Very sad to say that. I I just really want to be honest. I want to be authentic as I tell you. Like, I did not. It was not helpful. Not to say I didn't grow in college. I, you know, even just taking the time for the Lord and giving it to him on a daily basis, that meant something. That was a a bit of virtue. And then also there was a monk who taught me to pray. That's where I found my vocation. There were a number of things that drew me closer to the Lord. But I don't think the the reception of Holy Communion and the prayers during the Mass were a part of that. I'm, I'm embarrassed to say. And I'm not accusing the Mass. I'm not accusing the priest who said the Mass. I'm accusing myself. I'm accusing myself. And I didn't even realize it was a problem until I went to seminary. After, after I graduated college, I went right into seminary. And in the month of January of my first year, me and one of the other seminarians went up to far north Wyoming to a boys' ranch. This is like a last stop before jail for these boys. And while we were there, we would go to a church 20 miles up the road. It was actually a monastery. It was a Carmelite monastery. And we would knock on the door. The monk would open the door. And remember, it's freezing cold, January, North Wyoming. 
and we would hurry inside and he would lead us downstairs to their little chapel and it was really small and there we attended mass it was in latin and i knew as little of latin as i know of hungarian and of micronesian and whatever language you want to mention i had no idea what was going on now i wanted to follow along as i think any sincere person would and i tried to be sincere so i, I picked up the little missile that they had there it wasn't like a book it was just a little pamphlet and it was really and it took me like two weeks to figure out how to follow along but I started to really be able to kind of get into the rhythm of the Mass and follow along. And for the very first time, I was attentive to the prayers. And also in the margins, there were some comments about what is the spiritual motion that the people are supposed to have as they are attending Mass. It was very profound for me, incredibly profound. Uh, you know, after 22, 23 years of going to Mass every week, if not every day, Finally, I had some catechesis on how to praise the Mass. I even had a Theology of the Eucharist class in, in college, and that didn't help me. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say. I'm embarrassed to say. I mean, I'm so thick that it just took me that long. But it was not just the intellectual, not just my side. It was, it was also what I was taught. But before I get to that, I also just want to say, following along at the Mass and really engaging in the prayer that was there, that really was transformative. And I was filled with a great fire when I went to the Mass. My heart was alive, and I was able to pray in ways that I was never able to pray before. And this endured even when I went back to seminary and continued to, to go to Mass on a daily basis. My heart was so, so attentive and so attuned to the Lord and so prayerful. Uh, it was really a unique, unique period of my life. And it was really caused by just this new awakening of what it meant to go to Mass, attend Mass, participate in Mass. Maybe that's probably the best word. And it continues to be a dynamic part of my life. Praise God. Even though I'm not necessarily filled with such, oh, such consolation and it's really a much harder work to be attentive and participate in the Mass, it's still my goal. It's still what I try to do. And it is a fruitful part of my life. But the very problem was that I was taught something incorrect. There, this may have been taught to me for years. I really don't know. But I specifically remember one occasion where it was taught to me very explicitly, very clearly. And these people brought this analogy forward. And they said, oh, yes, the Eucharist is like a sun. There it is. And all we have to do is just expose ourselves to it. You know, if you, if you reveal your skin to the sun, you're going to get a sunburn, you're going to get a suntan, the sun is going to leave its mark. It's just like with the Eucharist. All we have to do is expose ourselves to the Eucharist and the, the mark will be made. Our, our souls will have an impression that the Eucharist has caused, that the Lord has caused. All we have to do is just expose ourselves to it physically. And so I would go to Mass and have that exposure receiving Holy Communion. I would go to Eucharistic adoration sometimes and have that exposure. And I was kind of waiting on the results that never came. It turns out that this analogy is a lie. It is not true. It is not true that just with pure exposure there will be a spiritual result. The truth is that we have to come to the Lord. We have to approach Him spiritually. Think about the the bread of life discourse, John chapter 6. 
Jesus is preaching a very difficult truth, that he is the bread of life, and we must eat him in order to have eternal life. And there are some people who say, Good teacher, this is a difficult saying. Who can believe this? And Jesus just doubles down. He says, My flesh is true food. My blood is true drink. If you do not eat and drink of this, you will not have life in you. And some people couldn't take it. They had this exposure to the Lord. They were face to face with him. They saw his, his body and, his, and they were in his presence and they heard his voice. They heard the power of his teaching even. And yet they walked away unchanged. Meanwhile, his disciples did stay with him. Why did they stay with him? Because Peter spoke on their behalf and he said, Lord, you have the words of eternal life. We have come to know and believe that you have the words of eternal life. The key word is, we have come. We have come to know and believe. We have come. Think about how often this word come is used in in the Gospels. Jesus says, come, follow me. Come, and I will make you fishers of men. Come to me, all you who are weary and overburdened, and I will give you rest. This word come is very key, very significant. We cannot overlook this. We have to approach the Lord. We can't just be exposed to the Lord. We actually have to walk towards him. A better analogy would be that Jesus in the Eucharist is indeed a, a sun, a fire. Let's call him a bonfire. And there's a warmth that comes from him. And maybe we're 50 yards away. We see the fire. We can't feel the warmth. But if it's cold outside, we want to warm up. And so what do we do? Do we turn away? Do we turn our backs? Do we walk to the side? No. We walk directly to that fire. We approach the fire to receive its warmth. It is, a, it is very parallel what we're doing in the Mass. We are approaching the Lord. We're coming to Him spiritually. If we're hoping for a spiritual impact, we're going to have to approach Him spiritually. And the way that we do this is with our prayer before Mass, before receiving Holy Communion. Lord, I believe that you are present in the Eucharist. And, I, and I'm amazed by this because it looks like bread. And the world might not believe, but I do believe. I believe you're present here. And I know you. And I want to receive you. And I, and I beg for your grace. I, I beg for a transformation. I want to be changed by you. I want to follow you more deeply. I want to be free from my sins. I want my weaknesses to be healed. I, I want to walk with you more intimately. I'm ready to grow in charity in a way that I have never known before, etc., etc., etc. This is kind of the prayer of that person. And if you need help, you can just look up uh, a preparation for mass prayer, uh, whether it's a specific prayer f- Preparation prayer for Mass, there's a handful of them out there. Or it's an act of faith, an act of hope, an act of love. All those would be very appropriate. An act of humility would all be very appropriate. And by an act of, I mean a prayer of. These are our basic dispositions that we need to bring towards the Mass. It's not too complicated. We need to approach the Lord with our souls. We cannot rely on mere physical exposure because The spirit is where we're hoping for the impact, not the bodies. God is very kind to humble himself into a physical reality, the sacrament, but he does that for our spiritual good. 
And so we need to spiritually prepare ourselves. We need to spiritually dispose ourselves. And, and I'm saying this for we, but it is your responsibility just as it is mine. When you go to Mass, you have the responsibility and you'll realize that this is your glory. This is your, your privilege to do so. But it might begin as your responsibility to prepare yourself for the Mass. I've sat in the pew kneeling before, before Mass with just daydreams in my head. But we need to learn how to focus. If you need to read a prayer, read a prayer. If, if you need to do it, spontaneous prayer, do that. Do what you got to do. If you need to look at the cross and Jesus hanging on his cross, do that. Because we have to bring this, this vibrant, this alive, this alert disposition of our heart, of our soul to the Lord. Otherwise, we will receive Holy Communion in vain. And that is sin. That might even be sinful if we choose to do it. If we choose to come to the Lord without a proper disposition. Uh, one last comment on some of these theological ideas here is uh, I'm at the Church of St. Pius here only for just another month actually. It's kind of hard to believe. But I really want to highlight uh, one of the things that St. Pius mentions. St. Pius is known as the Pope of the Eucharist. I, I made a little holy card that talks about some of his wisdom for Holy Communion, just some of his, his greatest quotes on that. But some of the quotes that I want to mention now are referring to the conditions for receiving Holy Communion. You know, a lot of times we realize, yes, being Catholic is one of the conditions. Being in a state of grace, free from grave and mortal sin, is one of those conditions. But we don't realize that there are other conditions. And this can really animate us and motivate us to, to dive in deeper. So those first two conditions I mentioned, but then St. Pius says uh, another condition is not receiving for routine, which is really easy to do. I've been there before. For vanity or for human respect. The fourth condition is the desire to be one with God in charity. The desire to be one with God in charity. And the fifth is the desire that he heals our weaknesses and defects. Lord, free me from sin. I'm intending to avoid sin. I'm intending to come to you, to be one with you in charity, not because what other people tell me, not because I want the respect of other people, not because it's just what I do, because what the culture tells me, my Catholic culture tells me, as my family tells me. I'm doing it to come to you, to be one with you, not out of routine. Now think of your church if everyone does this. I mean, this might be a good reason to share this, this particular podcast. It could really transform the people that you're surrounded by, including yourself. Think of a church that is a real Eucharistic parish. And by Eucharistic parish, I mean Jesus-oriented, Jesus-centric, Christocentric. People are going to get to Mass all the earliest because they know the importance of coming to the Lord with a disposed heart. And they recognize that I need time to dispose my heart. I need to pray before Mass. I need to focus my myself. And, and as I come to communion, I need to really be reverent. Lord, I believe in you. Lord, I hope in you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I'm too small to do this, but it's your great mercy that allows me to. And then afterwards, think of how many people will stay kneeling down as opposed to just getting up and leaving and start cracking jokes as if they were eating popcorn in Mass. The, this would be a very profound experience. People would stay and be like, the King of Kings is within me. Lord, who am I to hold you within my very body, within my soul? Lord, I, I am so 
I'm not worthy of this, but you come to me anyways, Lord, I thank you. I beg you for the grace to come back the next week or the next Mass that I can receive you all the more attentively with a deeper devotion, even though it's got to be your grace. But I trust in you. I trust in this transformation. People will not be able to stay away from the Mass. Not only will they be going to Mass when they have free time, they will begin to make sacrifices, acts of self-denial, in order to create that free time in order to go to Mass. It can be very profound. Daily Mass will, numbers will, will clearly increase because people will realize, without the bread of life, I don't have life. And if I have it in my ability to, to receive the bread of life on a daily basis, I will do what it takes to do so. Not to say that you're neglecting your responsibilities, that would be bad. But to do it if you are free, if there is that opportunity. We're in the land of opportunity. And we need to make sure we use that opportunity for the glory of God, for what is eternally enduring. Also, what would change is, is that people would actually be transformed. It would be a fruitful reception of Holy Communion. All of a sudden, the parishioners would be filled with a love that they didn't have before. People will be, say, will be saying, like, holy cow, people that perished, all of a sudden, they're starting to love me a lot more. <laughs> Stop loving me so much. Stop loving me so much. I don't know what to think. I don't know how to respond. Some people actually don't know how to respond to being loved. But let's shock them in that. Let's surprise them with that. This transformation could be so alive. Uh, just even the, the way that we look at people, just in the way that we, we smile at people, even in the way that we might correct people. It could be very transformed by the power of the Eucharist. I am just wonderfully excited what God can do in a parish if they simply just know the goodness of God's transformative ability in the Eucharist and come to the Lord with a disposed heart so that he may do so. It's not a guarantee. It's never a guarantee. It's always a gift, and a gift must always be received. And this is our task. It is our joy. It is our glory. So, please, let us really stir our hearts so that whenever you go to Holy Communion again, you may do so in a way that you've never done before. And the very next time, it may even be more profound. And the next time, and the next time, and the next time, be more and more and more devoted. Devote. Devoted. Ooh, can't say that word. <laughs> be more sincere, more fervent. Uh, if this is helpful, please share this with other people. I really believe in this particular podcast episode that this can really transform lives. It can transform parishes. Share this with other people. Please, please do. I really am sincere about this. I, I, I'm not doing this because i got to do something in my free time. I'm doing this to, to really make sure people can know what it means to, to experience Christ's love and experience, experience the bread of life and the, the divine life that comes through it that we can receive. So go ahead and share it. If it's helpful, you know, make some notes even and go to Mass with those notes and be like, okay, this is how i got to prepare my heart. And, and together we will be one in the Eucharist. Uh, I have a friend, she, she always says, I'll see you in the Eucharist whenever we say we, we part ways. And that's what I tell you today. I'll see you in the Eucharist. Thanks for tuning in to Father Sean's podcast. Again, I'm looking for a new title to this podcast. I thought of one, I think, what was it? It was like Super Catholic Catechesis. I think that's what it was. And I might do that. That might be a little bit fun. I, I kind of hard to do something that's a little bit serious. That's why it shows Father Sean's podcast. Because I, I named it that, and I'm just like, that's just the dumbest title ever. <laughs> and I just love it. Anyways, peace to you. May God bless you in abundant ways. And I do beg for your prayers, because they're very meaningful in my life. I am very sincere about that. 
All right. Many blessings. God bless. Bye.